Yo, this is Pastor Tito here welcoming you to another episode of my revolutionary podcast where I'm here to help you find faith in Christ and how to follow through with your life. And we are doing so by looking at an Old Testament text. And the section we're looking at is the Ten Commandments, showing how those Ten Commandments are still relevant to our lives today. And what's so amazing about that is today we're going to see how not only do these Ten Commandments operate and are relevant today, but all of God's word is. And I'm going to show you a unique way of looking at it. And you're going to see that God's word is just like glass. And when we look at it in that way, it makes a major difference. So let's wrap up by looking at the final connection between commandments number five and 10 to see how God desires for us to follow him and know him. Again, if this is your first time logging on or here in person, it's been a while. We have been doing a series on the 10 commandments and we've been studying the 10 commandments over five weeks. The reason why we've been doing it in half the time is because we have been looking at the connections between the Tablet number one and tablet number two. And so we've been noticing that all the first five commandments, which some of you guys, maybe you've heard some of these, maybe you haven't. Hopefully by now, if you've been watching the last couple, four weeks by today, now hopefully you'll be able to list off a good chunk of them. But we've been noticing that the first five are unique. The first five are all commandments and laws that deal with your vertical, say with me vertical, Vertical relationships between you and your creator, all right? The first five deal with you and your creator. And then the second five are, say it with me, say horizontal. Horizontal, type it out. It's your horizontal relationships between you and your neighbor. And these aren't separate things. In fact, Jesus was the first rabbi, many people believe, to have combined this phrase. Because for generations, rabbis would say, when they would sum up the entire law, they would say, well, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, tablet number one. And tablet number two, and love your neighbor as yourself. Because they were on two separate tablets, many people thought they were two separate things, all right? And so meaning, I can do this and this in my own way. But Jesus was the first to be able to say, um, the first and greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and... Love your neighbor. He was the first one to combine the two. That was revolutionary then because he was trying to say, listen, that that was the whole point. These aren't two separate tablets. It's like two sides of the same coin. You can't say that you love your creator God if you don't have love for your neighbor. Feel me on that? You can't say you have a vertical relationship if you're horizontals, if this isn't, and likewise, you can't say that, oh, I love my neighbor, but there's no true love for your creator. They are not two separate independent things. You can't do one without the other. So that's why we've been showing that the connections between these commandment one and five or commandment one and six and two and seven, because they are all interconnected. And so today we're going to wrap it up by looking at commandment number five and commandment number 10. And we're going to realize the number one reason, the only reason why many people are going to go to hell and others are not. Doesn't that sound Exciting. All right. So here we go. Let's go ahead, guys. And if you are, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Exodus chapter 20. That's where we are hanging out. We're going to camp out there today. We're going to have it on the screen for everybody online in person. And if you guys have your phones, I want to remind you 
There is a section on our website that has a section for notes. So it has all the Bible verses there. You don't got to hunt for them. And it has a couple of the things that I'm going to say today. You can have it all there and you can email these notes to you later. Just go to tabernacleofgod.church, scroll to the bottom, swipe to the left. Okay, I know it sounds like Tinder, but it's not. Swipe to the left and you'll see, it'll say message notes right there. And then there you go. So you can go ahead and find that on our website. But let's read now commandment number five, the last of the commandments of the vertical ones, tablet number one. So let's read Exodus 20, verse 12. We're going to put it on the screen. Let's all read it together. Here we go. Honor your father and your mother so that you may have a long life in the land the Lord your God has given you. Again, honor your father and mother so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God has given you. Pause. All right. So that doesn't sound like a vertical commandment, does it? I mean, normally commandment number five gets lumped in with the other six because it's dealing with people. And so I've always heard it said, commandments one through four deal with you and God. Commandments number five through 10 deal with you and people. Yes, that's true. But your parents aren't just people. Think about it. Your parents aren't even your neighbors. Your parents are your creators. That is a vertical relationship. You and your parents, that is a vertical relationship. That's not a horizontal one. Unfortunately, some of the parents are like, amen to that, right? This is a vertical relationship, all right? Meaning someone's in charge, someone is not. That's what that is. That's why this commandment goes with commandment number five. And notice that God is involved in this, it's a, it's a commandment, but do you notice God's name is in there? It says, honor your father and your mother for the Lord, you know, honor your father and your mother. You're going to have a long life in the Lord your God has given you. So there's God in commandment number five there. So God sees this connection between you and your parents and you and uh, him. So with this, some of you guys might have some parents, might, might want to be a parent. Maybe your parents aren't around anymore, but this principle still matters. And so we're going to check it out. What's the deal? First off, you got to, I got to highlight this. Okay. Because listen, God doesn't miss. God does not miss. I try to show you the little details in the scriptures because I want you to see when you read, slow down guys, enjoy the process because you're going to miss something amazing. And if you've been noticing and doing active reading so far out of all the commandments we've done. And when you look at the 10th one, which I'm going to do in a minute, all of them, have one thing in common except this one. This one stands alone and unique. It's not a negative commandment. The other nine are all do not, do not, do not, do not. Don't take his name in vain. Don't take any other gods. Don't have another item worship them. Don't work on the Sabbath day. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't steal. Don't ever. All of them are don'ts. But when it comes to this one, notice God didn't say, don't dishonor your father and your mother. What did he say, guys? Honor. That's a positive statement. Why would he make that a positive one and not a negative one? Well, first off, now this is, I'm going to get an amen from kids in the house that still have their parents. Um, does the sound of uh, honoring and submitting to and obeying your mother and your father, does that sound fun? <laughs> no, <laughs> right? It doesn't. Okay, everyone just look at me like... Yeah, yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't sound fun to be able to honor your father and your mother. So I believe that God made that a positive commandment to be able to show us and children, listen, it is a good thing to do this. 
It's a good thing to honor you. It's not something negative like, oh, the other ones, right? Listen, don't kill. Really? Man, I really wanted to, right? It's like those other ones are that. And it was like, oh, don't, uh, you know, don't dishonor your father and mother. Ooh, but I love it. It's so much fun. Okay? Listen, honor your father and your mother. It is a positive commandment because God wants to see this vertical relationship in a positive light. You see that? It's important. But also notice, this is also the only commandment that's a positive, and it's the only commandment with a promise. Did you catch it? No other else do we see. Don't do this, and then you'll get that. Don't do this, and then this will happen. It's the only one that says, do this, and this will happen. If you honor your father and your mother, you are going to live a long life in the land that the Lord your God, and there's that phrase, the Lord your God. Man, that, that is riddled in the first half of the commandments. Why does this one have a promise? There's an incentive here, but also there's a principle buried into this promise, guys. Here's the principle. See, the whole point of you, when you're a child, some of you guys still have moms and dads and stuff like that, but I want you to listen to this. Children are fully dependent on their parents for survival, yes or no? Fully dependent on their parents for survival. Think about everything else in the created nature. Think about everything else in the created world. I mean, you got animals that are born and within minutes can walk, maybe within an hour can do something pretty functional. You know, some can actually start swimming and start doing things. Some can actually eat for themselves, right? They can go to their mother or at least they can, you know, they can do stuff. And eh, let's, let's give it that maybe some might take a little bit longer, maybe like little birds, right? They just have to sit there and just think, you know, just kind of open their mouth up, that's it. But for the most part, you know, really quickly, they can do stuff fairly fast. If evolution was true, this would be interesting. How did we as human beings become so advanced, yet we couldn't get the early stage of life down, right? I mean, we got a beautiful little baby girl that just turned one, right over here. Man, this girl can't, she's one. She can't do anything for herself, right? Can she dress herself? Can she feed herself? Can she wipe her own butt? Can she do anything? No, if it wasn't for you, if it wasn't for the parent, the kid would be lost. Look, some of you guys have teenagers in the house and they still can't even do these things, right? They can't even do these things still and they're teenagers. Oh my gosh. But what's, so, what's amazing about this principle? See, God, people are different for a reason. Parents, let me give you some free parent advice. I just learned this. I got to share it. I wish I can give credit to where I saw it. It was in a random tweet. I can't remember. I couldn't find it, but here it is. The goal of parenting is not this. Well, first off, parent, kids are fully dependent on their parents, right? So parents, everybody that wants to be a parent one day or a parent today, your job is to not to take your kids from being fully dependent on you to being independent. That's not the goal. Of course, it'd be, it'd be nice, right? You, you don't want a 40-year-old still on your, you know, your payroll. You, know, you don't want that. But that's, that's not the goal. But hold on. The goal of parenting is not to take your child from being fully dependent on you to them being independent. No, the goal of every godly parent should be to take a child who is fully dependent on you to learn to be fully dependent on God. See the difference? That is the goal. That's the goal there. But the thing is, why, why, why this promise? Well, because first off, listen, if you're a child, you, you got parents, your parent is your first experience with living under authority living under the control and the rule of someone else. 
And so God is showing you here, if you, are, if you learn to, listen, I'm, I'm gonna help some of y'all right now. Here we go, listen, some of y'all still live at home. If you learn to live und- and respect the authority that is in your home, when you learn how to respect authority, life is gonna go better for you. Catch it? When you learn to understand the role of authority and you learn how to operate under authority, life will go better. Guys, one of the biggest reasons why we see, you know, why do we see people in jail for? What did they do? They rejected authority. Whatever the rules were, they broke it, right? That's why they're there. They, whatever the authority was, they broke it. They rebelled against that authority. And now what kind of life do they have? But when you understand, this is why learning to live under authority is so important. It helps you to live. There's so many people, so many people. I've seen it. I've seen it in our lives. I've seen it in people. Oh my gosh, you know, you'll have someone that they get involved with drugs and this and that, and they start rebelling against authority and they start making decisions that start wrecking their life or even takes their life. They get involved with the wrong crowd. They start doing this and doing that. And because they have learned to be rebellious towards mom and dad, they're rebellious to everything and everyone. You see, what, guys, what, what you practice in the home, okay, you're going to play it outside out of the home. And so if you are constantly rebellious and undermining parents, you are practicing to be that kind of a person to undermine and look at all kinds. Of, and if you do that and you get in trouble, there you go. Listen, parents, if you don't learn to punish your kids, the government's going to have to do it for you. Mm. Okay. Kids, you listen, you need to, this is an important principle here to learn under, what does it mean to learn to live under authority? And I know it's not fun. That's why this is a positive commandment. He wants you to see this. This is actually a good thing. It's a good thing because listen, if you are rebellious, if you can't even submit to your earthly father, how are you going to learn to submit to your heavenly one? See the connection there? You see why this is a vertical relationship? Because the way that you submit to your earthly parents is in a way practice to submitting to your earth, to your heavenly father. This is huge. And this is why this commandment, not only is it a positive one, not only does it have a promise, oh, it comes with a nasty penalty. You might not like this one. Now there's no penalty here, but when you read all of the law, this one commandment is one out of four that carry a death penalty to it. Yeah, death to you. If you disobey and dishonor, not disobey, dishonor recklessly. This is not just talking back. I hate you. No, not like that. All right. This is not one of those. This is like being that, you know, abusive undermining when it comes to the authority of the parent. This is extreme. One out of four. And if you want to know the four commandments, it's the middle ones. The middle commandments actually carry a death penalty. I'm bringing that to you right now. Commandments number uh, four, five, six, and seven. Those can have a death penalty to it. Commandment number four was the Sabbath day. Honor the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Meaning if you work on the day off that you're not supposed to, you got to die. That's actually a story in the Old Testament. That sounds harsh, God. I mean, uh, I'll give you a reason why. God don't miss. The other commandment, if you live a life that is fully, completely dishonoring your father and your mother, death penalty to you. Do you think if we had that implemented today, do you not think we'll have a lot of kids bowing, saying, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, oh, a whole lot if you knew it was over for you if that was the case, but keep going. Commandment, uh, this one makes sense, right? Don't murder. If you do, death. That one makes sense out of the four. Okay, I get it. You know, I got to really hate you 
to forfeit my own life to know that I just took yours because that's that one. The other one, adultery, same thing. If you saw, if you had married couples do something consensual with another adult outside of the marriage bed, death penalty. Why does God put a death penalty to this? Listen, he does it as a warning, as a warning, because to break these, all of them are bad, but these, there is something to this that he wants you to pay attention on. Guys, listen, those four, if you break those four in your life, it brings death and destruction to your life and to a society faster than anything else. That's why there was a death penalty to this. All right, listen, if you don't believe me, uh, look at the Sabbath day. Honor, you know, take a break, meaning that you gotta learn to have a rhythm of rest because if your mind is constantly on the go and your body is constantly on the go and you don't learn to rest, you will exhaust yourself and die. Do you know that in Asia right now, there are many Asian countries that have had to create a vocabulary word to describe the fact of a person dying at their desk? Because there's people over there that work 17, 18, 19 hours straight, day after day, sick, day after day, after day after day. And literally, someone's so overworked, they'll just, they're falling at their, at their desk and at their places and dying on the spot. That is that bad. And you guys know this. When our brain doesn't take a break, we break down. And so God is trying to say, listen, without a rhythm of rest, your body, your mind, it's going to die and, and I know it. I mean, well, why, why are people even today? Well, why, why are we getting sick? Why are that? There's a lot of reasons, but I'll tell you one that doesn't help. We got, as, a, as, a, as Americans, I'm going to be real now, as Americans, we are all, as a, as a country, we are all overweight, under, um, undernourished, all right, and uh, overworked. That's what we do. And our, our bodies can't handle things. So death to that one. Obviously murder. If a, if a nation that doesn't respect the sanctity of life and we're just out here like if it's the purge, forget it. No, that society will not last. That society will die. Adultery too. A nation that does not honor sex in the way it's supposed to do, you're going to experience death. Hello, where do sexually transmitted diseases come from? All right. It's the mixing of everybody else with you and him and her and there it goes. And so, you know, if we all just kind of chilled out, and uh, for a little bit, we can eradicate these things. But no, I got to have fun, right? I hope it's worth it. All right, you're going to have that itch forever now. So whatever. So see, there's death to you. You bring death and disease to your body fast, quickly, when you got to deal with this. But then this one, what about this one with the parent, though? This one doesn't make sense. Why? Why does the parenting one, honor your father and mother, come with a death penalty? Because you and your nation. A nation that does not respect the roles and rights and responsibilities of a parent and recognizing the parent's role in the child's life will be a nation that will see death and destruction faster than anything else. Don't believe me? You can look at all these communist countries that all have death. They all, all of them have one thing in common. They, they have cultures of death. And all of them don't see parents as the rightful rulers and rightful governors of those children. They see them, literally, you would have politicians around the world in academia today in this country, politicians that probably some of y'all voted for, you don't even know they said this, but they did, all right, where they would say, yeah, the children do not belong to the parents, they belong to the country. Takes a village. And actually, Woodrow Wilson, Democratic president of the United States long ago, 100 years ago, big time in the progressive movement, actually said this, the goal of education in this country ought to be to make the child as least like the parent as possible. All right, that is where uh, 
the public school education in America changed 100 years ago with that principle to make them as least to be the government should be the number one influencer of a child's life. That's there. A nation that sees that is not going to be a prosperous, happy nation because it rejects the created order that God has instituted. So it's a positive commandment with a promise, but a crazy death penalty. And again, and look at the position. Why would God put honor your father, your mother here as number five? Because it goes right before. Now it's about people. It's vertical, it's about people, but now we're going to go into shift into tablet two, which is all your horizontals. Why? This fifth commandment acts like a hinge between your verticals and horizontal relationship. Because listen, a lot hinges on the health of your family. Pay attention. A lot hinges on the integrity of a family. This is huge. So that's commandment number five. Let's look at commandment number 10. The last one here. We got uh, verse 17. Chapter 20, verse 17. Let's look at now commandment number five. Do not, so we're back to the don'ts. Do not covet your neighbor's house. Don't covet your neighbor's wife, his male or female servant, his ox or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So you can sum this up in two words, don't covet. You can sum it up in maybe five things. Don't covet anything or anyone. Now, coveting is not a word that we use. So let's break that down. Come on, let's get, I'm going to give you definitions. I'm going to give you a handle for this, okay? Let me tell you what this commandment is not saying. God is not telling you, don't look at somebody's life and be like, wow, you know what? I want my life to be like that. That's not this. This is not saying, man, so-and-so, man, they have such a great marriage. I want my marriage to be like that. So-and-so, man, they married an amazing person. I want to find me somebody like that. Okay, man, they, they, they raised some great kids. I want to be a parent like that. I want to raise kids like that. So-and-so, man, he just bought himself a house. I want to be able to buy myself a house one day. Got himself a nice car. I want to get, I want to get me a better car. There's nothing wrong with having goals. There's nothing wrong with having those things as long as, commandment number two, you don't make those things an idol. You don't make those things something that I need it in my life or else I'm not happy. Like you look at those things to fulfill you, okay? That's the wrong way. But there's nothing wrong with having goals, guys. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with having those kind of goals and aspirations and dreams as long as it doesn't replace God. What is this commandment telling you to do? It's telling you not to covet. What does coveting mean? Coveting is two words that you know very well. It's negative jealousy and extreme greed. Coveting something is not saying, wow, bro, his life, bro, he's such a hard worker. I want to be like them. Man, what he just accomplished, I, I want to be able to accomplish things in my life. No, that's, that's, an, that's healthy jealousy. That's okay. That's healthy jealousy. Unhealthy jealousy is, did you see who got a promotion? Did you see who got that promotion? I'm over here working my tail off and this guy barely shows up and he gets it and not me. Coveting is, oh, this guy. But this guy right here, I can't believe he married so-and-so, so an amazing person. He doesn't deserve her. He doesn't deserve her. He's such a dirtbag and I'm over here. I can't get anybody to reply to any of my texts or DMs. What the heck? You know, what's going on? You know, like that's coveting in that way or about this one. Oh, so-and-so just got a brand new car. This fat headed person over here thinking, looking, oh, so good. They love their, you know, whatever. Now see, man, I'm over here. Now see, they don't, this is coveting. This is coveting. Ready? They don't deserve that. I do. This is coveting. They don't deserve that. I do. 
Coveting is, notice it's not an action, right? I mean, look at all the other ones. Don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't lie, don't steal. Those are all actions. What is coveting? Is coveting an action? I'm not, when I covet, I'm not doing something to you. Coveting is not an action, it's an affection. Notice that God is not only concerned about what we do, but he's concerned about how we feel and how we think. This goes right in line when Jesus says, hey, you've heard it said, don't commit murder. But what did he say? But if you hate in your heart, don't commit adultery. But even if you lust in your mind, it's like you did those things. So notice that God is bringing the principle of the coveting one all the way into the others. That it's not just so much the action, it's your motivation. I'm about to wreck some of you right now. Do you know? Sin is not just what you do. And by the way, sin is also what you don't do, okay? This is called the sin of commission, meaning if I do the wrong thing, that's a sin. Do you know what the sin of omission is? I didn't do the right thing. If you didn't do the right thing, that's a sin. Ooh, here he goes. You ready for this one? It's gonna get spicy. You can do the right thing with the wrong motivation. That means you didn't do it right. You can do the right thing with the wrong motivation. And if you did, you didn't do it right. That is a sin. Guys, we are all bigger sinners than any of us could ever realize. This is why it's so great that God did what he did with Jesus on the cross because you, you do not know, neither do I. And so here we see this is about the heart. And here's the, the concern about the heart because coveting something is looking and it's saying, you can't be happy when you have coveting in your heart. You can't be happy for someone because you're angry that they have that and you don't. Oh, Christians covet all the time. God uses, I can't believe God uses that person. Why would he choose him? Why would he choose her? I'm over here praying and doing this and laying out my life, doing everything, and I'm barely seeing God do stuff. And this you know, fool over here can barely do, and God's bringing them money and God's giving them doing this and God is making, using them for what? That's coveting. Coveting is you can't be happy for someone because you don't have it. You see where the greed and the jealousy is right there? Super, it's selfishness on another level. And here's the thing, coveting, it, it rules your heart and it, gives, it puts a hunger in your heart for stuff. I want that, I want this, I want that. And it's a, it's a hunger that is never satisfied. Never satisfied. Spurgeon would say, if you, if you are not happy with what you have, you won't be happy if what you had was doubled. But I'll even up that up. Listen, if, you're a, if you are not happy with what you have in your life, it doesn't matter how much you have, you'll always be unhappy. Because you and I weren't meant to be satisfied, guys, with stuff. Only by a savior. Only by a savior. That is the only thing that's meant to satisfy us. But coveting is all, it sees the world between the haves and the have-nots. Everybody else has and I don't. And then it becomes a power play for possession and this and that. And how can I control and manipulate circumstances for that? If you've ever heard that phrase, the haves and the have-nots, that is pure communism all day. Because this is why communism is an atheistic ideology that does not see it and it ignores God altogether. And it is based in coveting. It sees the world between those who have power and those who don't. And the oppressed class eventually becomes the new oppressors. But it's okay now because the other ones deserved it. This is why it's all messed up. All right? All messed up here. 
And here's the thing about coveting, guys. It's like the phrase, I know you've all heard it said. Coveting always sees the grass greener on the other side. That's what coveting does. Coveting sees the grass is always greener on the other side. But I love the way it's said. No, listen, the grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is green where you water it. It's where you water it. And the thing about coveting is if you can't be happy with what you have and you just, but I just need that, I want that. Well, here's the the thing, guys. You're gonna take what you have for granted. You're gonna take your life. You're gonna take your moment. You're gonna take it for granted. Why? Because you're not happy because you're upset that so-and-so has something better. And now you take yours, the people in your life, and your, everything God has given you, you take that for granted. Coveting is messy. Coveting is messed up. And uh, coveting, actually, if you caught it, coveting, Paul talks about this in all other places in Ephesians and Colossians. Coveting is actually idolatry. It's commandment number two. By the way, I want you guys to know that there's not just a connection between one commandment on the left and one commandment on the right. This thing is one whole interconnected web, all right? It is one interconnected web. If you covet something, it's because you have an idol in your life. You've just broke commandment number two. You want this more than you want God. That's what coveting is. You want stuff for someone more than you want God. That's commandment number two. And if you have an idol in your life, you've also not broken commandment number one. Now there's that you have put a God besides the one true God. And if you've done that, you've commit, you've broken commandment number three, which is you've taken God's name in vain. God is now less important than that stuff. If you've done that, okay, if you're coveting at the same time, you also are breaking commandment number six. You are a murderer because you hate the fact that he has what you don't. And round and round and round we go. When you break one, you broke them all. That's what that is, guys. These things are all super interconnected. Now, what's the connection though? Let's, not, let's, let's bring it down. What's the connection between commandment number five and commandment number 10? There, there's com- connections, all of them, but I want you to look at this. How does honor your father and your mother connect with coveting? Because here, this is the principle that we see. This is a relationship principle between you and God and you and others. Your relationships will always struggle when you constantly covet power. Your relationships are always gonna struggle when you covet power. You know how many marriages are struggling. Why? Because one wants to dominate the other. They're not serving one another, they're coveting power. They wanna be able to be the one to run this show. Marriages struggle when you covet in power in that way. Governments struggle in that way. That's why politics, why our our politics is so messed up because you got one political party over another constantly coveting what? Power, more than serving people. And so that's what they do. They are coveting power at the expense of people. When you covet power, your relationships are messed up. Nothing works at the local, in your home and above. And parents, got all the same thing, because the number one thing that parents, uh, that kids love to covet is their parents' power. They don't like that they have a parent. They don't like someone to be able to tell them what to do. They want that power. They want to tell their mom what to do. They want to tell their parent what to do. They want to run the show. That is called coveting. That is called rebellion. That's rebellion. We covet power. And guys, it is getting nasty. Listen, let me, I got to read this. I found a couple of tweets and some different things from literal, these are influencers, real life, a collection of tweets from real life influencers that have people's ear in the media and in academic circles. Some of these tweets come from academics. And this is all a collection of them. They say things like this. Parents are the real tyrants. People say, they're pushing this in the university level. Parents are the real tyrants. Parents are members of the oppressive class like rich people and white people. There's people who say this. And because they are the oppressed, they are because they are the oppressed, remember the haves and the have-nots, right? The oppressed and the oppressors. 
because they have power that the kids don't. We need to dismantle the nuclear family in exchange for a collective structure of care. Literally, someone says, we need to have a real conversation about the amount of power that parents have because it's not right. We need to exchange, dismantle the nuclear family in exchange for collective care. Meaning, you go from your parents telling you what to do to a politician telling you what to do. Which one would you rather have be real? Okay, let's be smart now. Let's be smart. That's what people are pushing today. Why? Because they covet power. They covet power. And we see parents as tyrants. And you know what we do, guys? You know what sinners do? They see God as the ultimate tyrant. Why do I have to live according to his laws, according to his ways? I can do it better. I don't think that, no, 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 I, I'm fine. And we have people who live according to their word, according to their ways, and it's not. And what do we see here? If you obey, your honor your father and your mother, you live a long life. Disobey, right? And you dishonor what they stand for, short, miserable life. Guys, if you honor your heavenly father, your long life is not going to be in this earth. It's going to continue on into eternity in, your, in his presence. But if we rebel and we dishonor God by ignoring his words, by being rebellious to his ways in everything, we're still going to live for eternity, but it's not going to be with him. This is why I said, this is the number one reason why people go to hell. The only reason, guys, when those who tell God, I can do it better. For those who say, I don't have to submit to you in order to be happy. I don't have to submit to you in order to live my life. Guys, that is the one reason right there because we covet God's power. And that is so sad because God is not hoarding his power. God leverages his power and he actually says to, looks to us, says, I can be strong in your weakness. And he goes and extends, if you call on my name, he extends his power. God is not trying to keep it all to himself. He wants to share it. And the way we share and operate under the power of God is through submission to him. We don't lose when we surrender, we gain. Guys, we don't lose, we win. We gain when we surrender to God. But the heart tells you the same thing that the enemy, the devil told Adam and Eve. You can get all the benefits with God without him. Forget them. Do it your way. Do it my way. And you'll get everything without. Same lie for today. And so guys, what are we called to do? Well, what's the whole point of, of all of this? Now that we see this, I'm like, all right, all right, pastor, I get it. We see the 10. They all look like great principles. Awesome. But I've kind of highlighted the fact that you and I, we all break all of these on a regular. Guys, you and I always, we have hearts that covet things more than God all the time. We have heart. We, none of us here can say that we've ever honored our father and mother. Maybe on the outside you would, but on the inside, Mm -hmm. You know, that was the story of a little boy who literally the parent, he got in trouble and the parents said, sit down. And the, and the kid was like, mm, uh, sit down. And the kid didn't want to. I said, sit down. And you, know, and you gotta yell and that's when they get, right? You gotta go supersonic for them to really hit them. And so the kid sat down and the kid out loud opened up his mouth and I, I guarantee you this was his last words. He said, I might be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. Last words on his tombstone, but <laughs> I don't know, right? That, see, that's the thing, guys. You and I just can't create this fictitious thing. You and I, we can't pretend to be, have done any of these perfectly. We can pretend to obey God on the outside, but if he is not Lord of our hearts on the inside, all of this was for nothing. So what's the point? What do we do with this? Well, 
Let me show you what the point of the whole 10 commandments were. Because God says, guys, here's top, let me just give you 10 rules. Live by these 10 rules, and this is how to live a perfect life. This is how you and I will be great. This is how to live a prosperous life. God, I can't do any of those things. You know what? If you can create your own top 10 rules for yourself, you couldn't even keep them. Try it. I dare you. Create 10 laws for yourself and watch how you'll break them. We can't do it. There's something about it. And so what, is it, what did the law mean? Paul talks about this in Romans. I challenge you, we don't have the time. Read Romans 3 through 6. Paul says the whole point of the law was to point to you what needs fixing. That's why God gave the law to them and to us. The, and, God, and by the way, the law means all of God's word. Okay, God's word is a mirror. The law is a mirror that when you look at it, you have to look at yourself. And you recognize, I'm not like him. I'm not like that. I can't do that. The law is meant to point out what needs fixing, but the law was never meant to fix it, guys. Listen, you all woke up this morning and you all looked in front of the mirror, hopefully, those that you didn't, I can tell, but watch, all right? You went to the mirror and you saw yourself. All right, I gotta do my hair, I gotta do this. None of you walked up to a mirror and saw something and was like, all right, well, man, my hair's a mess. None of you took the mirror off the wall and started brushing your hair with the mirror. Why? Because the mirror is not meant to fix. The mirror is meant to show you what needs to be fixed. That's what the mirror does. That's what God's law does. Guys, you and I, when we look at God's word, we are supposed to look at it and see ourselves and allow God to show us what needs to be fixing. But we don't now just do the law in order to be better. No, because not only is God's word a mirror, God's word is also a window, just like glass. God's word is a window that we can see through it and see the only one who could fix it. And that's God. This law showed us, listen, here's top 10. And if you break it, there has to be a sacrifice. This top 10 showed everybody, we have all fallen short of God's glory. But then we also see a God that created a sacrificial system in order for our sins to be forgiven. And Jesus made the once and for all sacrifice for all time, for all people on the cross, because we have all horribly fallen short. This law shows us ourselves. We are not as good as we thought we were, but this law also shows and helps us to see God knew that and God still gave them a law they couldn't hold. Why? So that through the law, they can realize I have to be dependent on this God for my survival and to be able to thrive. And it was meant to point to us a loving God to say, listen, Yeah, you want to see how bad you are? Uh, Yeah, you can't. I see it better than you, and yet I'm still inviting you to have a relationship with me. Guys, that's good news for all of us, that no matter what we've done or what we've become, how good your week or day has been, God's love is not graded by your performance, but by what Jesus did on the cross for you. That's it. That's all. And now because of what he has done, which that right there, guys, is what makes Christianity so unique compared to everything else. Every other religion has one thing in common. They all can be, even atheism, by the way, that's a religion. All right, all of these religions have one thing in common. They are all founded on what can I do? That's world religion. That's every religion there is. What can, what should I do? That's the foundation. Christianity is not like that. It stands alone with a different foundation. The foundation is not, what can I do? The foundation is, what has God done? 
That is our foundation. It is what he has done. This love that we talked about and sang about, these characteristics, this is what the this is what roots our foundation, guys. What has he done? And because of what he has done, now we hopefully in response desire to do. And we won't be perfect at it all the time. But this is what is so wonderful about God in that in, when we are forgiven, we are set free, but we are not set free to fail. We are not set free to fail. Like, well, you know, God's going to forgive me so I can do whatever I want. I'm going to disrespect my mom today because she deserves it. I'll just ask for forgiveness tonight. Okay. I can do whatever I want and be forgiven. No, no, that is not, that is abuse of grace. That is, uh, by the way, uh, a description of a very unrepentant, uh, spoiled little brat. You can't abuse God's grace like that. It doesn't work that way. We are not free to fail and do whatever we want and ask God to forgive and make it all better. No, but you and I are free from failure. We are free from failure, meaning that even in our in our false attempt to realize, oh no, I actually have hate in my heart for this person. God, I surrender this heart to you. Forgive me, help me to have loved this person. And God will say, amen, yes to that. We are free from failure. And that even if we fall, we fall into his arms and we continue to move forward. This is what God has given us. And guys, listen, I'm gonna tell you, God gave these people, God gave these people a brand new covenant, which was a promise. Guys, let's be in relationship with each other. Every covenant came with commandments. That's what we saw in the Old Testament. And every commandment came with a commission. And the commission was for the people of Israel, be unique, follow me, and I will bless you as a nation to bless the nations of the world through the Messiah. Guys, Jesus did something. God liberated them from slavery, took them to a mountain, cut a covenant with them, gave them commandments and gave them a commission. Jesus did the same thing. Jesus, in the shadow, not on a mountain, but in the shadow of a bloody cross and an empty grave, Jesus now has, is leading hordes of captives out of hell itself through faith in him because of what he did on the cross. And now in the same way that the 10 commandments open up, now Jesus stands today and says, I am the Lord, your God, the one and true only God who has delivered you from a land of death and darkness, out of a land of slavery to sin. Love one another as I love you and baptize others into the saving waters of salvation and teach others, tell them what you've encountered and what you have seen. And know that I will be with you always, even when you don't get it right in your attempt, I will be with you always until the end. Guys, this is what God, this is the God that we have. Such a loving and gracious God. This is the life that is set before us. All we must do, it's up to you and I to be able to say yes to Jesus today, tomorrow, and every day. That's all we're called to do. And I'm gonna challenge you to do that right now. So let's all take a few minutes. I want you to respond right now to him. So let's all bow our heads online and everybody here today. I want you to reflect now. Let's look at today, let's look at the mirror. Let's use God's word as a mirror today. What have you seen in you? Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you may bring your word to light and that you may help us right now through your word to be able to see who we truly are. Reveal our hearts to us so we know what to surrender to you. I want you right now as we're praying, I want you to think, just look at the two categories we talked about today. How have you honored your mother and your father? 
How do you honor them? How much are you, are you doing underneath? How much are you, are you talking behind their backs, under your breath? When you come to your friends and your family, you are dishonoring them. How many of you talk back and don't respect and don't obey and you, you try to run the house? Think about this. How many of you, even when you were a kid, you dishonored your parents and you don't have your parents anymore. You can't ask for forgiveness for them, but you know you broke those commandments and you sinned against both God and them. Anything that has come up to mind right now, how often do you pray for your parents over complaining about them? Whatever, all those things right now, God sees that and worse and it's okay. I want you to give it now to God and say, Lord, forgive me for dishonoring my father and my father and my mother. Forgive me, Lord, for not honoring them, respecting them, praying for them, like praying for them, loving them, serving them. Forgive me right now for being this selfish. Ask God to forgive you. He's going to wipe all. He, you can't fix it by doing better. He can fix it and he can help you do better. Do that right now. Look to him. Ask and have that. Say, Lord, help me to take, help me not to take my parents for granted. Help me to take, help me not to take my time with them for granted. Help me to love and serve them the rest of, the, the rest of my life for the rest of their life. Help me to live a life that honors my father and my mother in Jesus' name. What about coveting? What have you seen what right now in you that you want more than anything else, including God? I guarantee you right now, I, I guarantee you, you have people. You're not happy for so-and-so. Something is happening, something good is happening in someone's life. You're not happy for them because it's not happening to you. I want you right now to think of that person and I want you, number one, to ask forgiveness. Lord, forgive me for coveting. For, forgive me for allowing the root of bitterness in my heart. I recognize that bitterness in Jesus' name. Guys, I can't pray this for you. I need you to pray it online and in person. You gotta pray it. If you see it, surrender it. Open your mouth and say, God, forgive me of coveting. Remove the root of bitterness in my life. I need you to ask that, I forgive. And now I want you, that person that you were upset about, that person that you were you know, angry about, I want you to send a, bless, bless them right now, pray for them right now. God, I thank you that you're blessing them. I thank you that you've done this in their life. I pray blessings in Jesus' name over that person. I pray, God, that they may come to know you. I pray that they may come to see and experience your love. Pray for that person that you were you know, coveting and complaining about. Bless them right now, guys. Do it and you're gonna find freedom and peace in your heart. Do it right now. Bless them in Jesus' name. God, I thank you so much that not only when we look at your word, do we see, God, unfortunately we see, well, I guess it's good that we see who we are, that we have a better understanding of ourselves, but God, I'm so grateful that we have a better understanding of you because you never desire anything or anyone over us. And Lord, you never take your position as Heavenly Father and abuse it. Lord, you, Father, deserve all the glory, all of the honor. And God, we thank you, Lord, for extending and leveraging your power on the cross so that, Lord, you, you can live in us. God, we praise your name, and I thank you right now for what you are doing in our lives. And I pray, God, that all that we do may be a response to all that you have done that may be a response to what you did for us on the cross to show us your love. And may, be, may it be a response, God, for what you did when you rose from the dead, that God, we may be so grateful in all that we do, even when we run to you in our faults and we run to you when we need you. May we be so grateful, God, because you are alive today and because you live, we have life. And I wanna invite all of you, if you've never placed your trust and confidence in Jesus, do not leave and leave here today without doing that. And all it is is just calling on his name. 
honor your father by believing him. When he says, all who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. So turn to say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your life and spirit and help me to follow you. Holy Spirit, I pray right now for everybody watching here live replay. God, that you are leading all of us to take a further step. And God, I'm so grateful that even in our steps when we trip and fall, there you are. Your grace is above and your grace is mighty, able to hold us and keep us and preserve us in your mighty hand. And God, I ask that you may just do a continued work in all of us. We pray in Jesus' name, God, that your word may be rooted deep into our soul so far that the enemy cannot get it. Seal this truth right now, God, so that we can learn to enjoy you and live for you and see that there is nothing better than knowing and living for the one true God, Jesus Christ, to be glory forever and ever. Amen and amen. If you believe it, say amen and join me in that prayer and say amen too. And praise God for his mighty love you know, so i want you to see god's word like glass glass is both reflective and transparent it is meant for us as we look into god's word it is meant for us to be able to first see ourselves while also seeing through it and seeing god at the same time and as we've been wrapping this up, guys, we've been seeing that each and every one of us have and will continue to fall horribly short of God's standard of glory. This is what Romans 3.23 means. But praise God. Praise God that he did all that was necessary in order for us to be saved. And so now, guys, I want you, I want you to revive and re revolve, really, man, the whole thing is about being a revolutionary, right? Revolve your life around Christ. Revolve your actions around your affections and let your affections be constantly overwhelmed by God's massive love for you. I love the way it's been said that revival is nothing but falling in love with Jesus over and over again, because the more Jesus has your affections, your actions will follow. And this is an amazing opportunity, an amazing life that God gives us. He has done so much to be able to preserve a relationship with him, guys. Do not wait for heaven. It's not meant for that. And I love it. I think it's A.W. Tozer that says, if you're bored with worshiping God and spending time with his presence here on earth, you're not ready for heaven. I would probably argue that you might not be going. All right. I mean, guys, this is so amazing for us to get to know God in this way. So I challenge you, submit to his authority and you're going to see and experience victory like never before.